Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you are tuning in for our annual summer series at the movies, where we explore the spiritual truths behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Today started out as the best day of my life. I, I, I did it! I got the gig! Hey, y'all. Uh, good morning. Ice cold piragua, cherry, strawberry, and just for today, I got my mate. something on your shirt. It's time to make some noise. We had to assert our dignity in small ways. Little details that tell the world we are not invisible. What's up, everybody? Hey, great to see you guys, especially if you're visiting as a guest. Thrilled you're with us today. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here on behalf of Liquid Church. Welcome to our summer series at the movies. Any movie lovers with us today? Make some noise. All our campuses. It is no secret. I am a major movie buff. In fact, in college, I actually majored in English. I had a minor in film studies and actually spent uh, half of my senior year working in the screenwriting department of a Hollywood studio in Burbank, California. A great experience, very eye-opening, probably where God planted a passion for storytelling and film that we enjoy today at Liquid. Now, so movies are really a passion for me. I, I love a good story. Uh, and scripture actually tells us that Jesus did too. Uh, Jesus taught in parables, or in other words, short stories that contain spiritual truth. In fact, Mark chapter 4 tells us this. Jesus did not say anything to them, that's the disciples, without using a what? A parable, a short story. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. There was a deeper meaning. So Jesus was a master communicator and storytelling was just like, hey, that's his preferred mode of communication. And he told compelling stories with interesting characters. He used analogies and visual metaphors to communicate spiritual truth to common people. Personally, I just love how movies kind of tell stories in kind of a cinematic or visual way. Uh, in a, many ways, you know, movies are like modern-day parables. And next week, we're going to look at the Pixar movie Soul, which is a profound story about a jazz pianist who has a NDE, a near-death experience, and gets stuck in the afterlife, where he contemplates his choices on earth and the meaning of his life. And parents, just let you know, it's a fun watch with your kids, okay? In fact, let me just suggest, maybe you want to host a family movie night this week, watch it together, and then come next Sunday to hear the sermon on Soul. Uh, the Sunday after that, we're going to look at the musical In the Heights, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, about the immigrant experience in New York City and the need for faith and patience growing up in Washington Heights. So if you like musicals, In the Heights, ton of fun, incredible music. But today, we're going to look at my favorite suspense thriller called A Quiet Place. Shh. Now, show of hands, all our campuses, who has seen this movie? Maybe you saw A Quiet Place 1. Or Quiet Place 2. Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people. It is a thriller. Kind of scary. Just be honest. Show hands. Who wet themselves a little bit? Was there, can I just, personally, I don't, I don't really like scary movies. In fact, 
I typically tell folks to, to steer clear of horror and gory stuff like that. I actually think like, I think dark stuff is actually demonic. It's best not to actually put in your head. And so when my teenagers said, hey, dad, let's watch A Quiet Place, I was like, no thanks. But they're like, no, no, it's not horror, dad, it's a thriller. In other words, it's full of suspense, not blood and gore. And it's true, the suspense in this movie is kind of created by what you don't see. Namely, these, these alien monsters who have invaded Earth and they have very sensitive hearing. They, they hunt based on what they hear and they kill anything that makes a sound. So the family who's being chased around has to be totally silent. Shh, a quiet place. Get it? Yeah. I got to admit, I just, I love the movie um, because it's a thriller with, I think, the heart of a family drama. In fact, one reviewer called it the most unexpectedly religious film of the year. And you may be like, what? A, 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 a spiritual story? Yeah. A Quiet Place is pro-family. It's pro-faith. It's pro-prayer. It's pro-life. It values the sanctity of all human life, from sacrificing to save a tiny defenseless baby to elevating a young woman with a disability. Now, the movie made headlines because the hero of the movie is a deaf girl who winds up actually saving the world. So spoiler alert, she uses her weakness as a weapon. Now, I did a little research, and what I discovered is that the director, John Krasinski, most of you can recognize him, right, as Jim Halpert from The Office, right? Halpert! <laughs> he was actually raised as a devout Catholic. And so the hardest movie is about Christian themes like family and faith, hope and sacrifice. Uh, it actually promotes parenthood. <laughs> the parents aren't doofuses, you know? And actually risking your life to save people from desperate situations. So it's a redemptive story. But make no mistake, it is also intense, all right? So I just want to warn you, I'm going to show you the trailer in a minute. So guys, heads up, parents, this is a PG-13 movie. So definitely not appropriate for little kids. If you got littles, you got preteens, now would be a good time to take them to Liquid Family. But let me also caution older kids, or if you're a sensitive viewer, A Quiet Place, it's a thriller, right? So it's meant to kind of create terror, and it's full of tension. And let me tell you, the jump scares, they are not for the faint of heart. So if you're sensitive or you just want to like keep your blood pressure down, heads up or just close your eyes, all right? You know what you and your teens can handle, so use discretion. Sound good? All right, let's take a look at the trailer for A Quiet Place, part two. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I came to worship, not be scared out of my wits. Just track with me. I promise you there's a redemptive message in this movie. It's actually a, a parable about sacrificing one's life for another, love of family, care for strangers. So let me kind of set the scene for you. A uh, Quiet Place 2 opens up on a sunny day in a small town in upstate New York. It's actually shot not too far from here in New Jersey. And the whole town is at a Little League baseball game. 
including Lee and Evelyn Abbott. That's the director, John Krasinski, and actually his Emily Blunt, that's his wife in real life, but they're married on screen. And their son is up to bat when this flaming meteor streaks through the sky, and within minutes, these, these spidery alien monsters start attacking, throw the whole town into total chaos. What nobody knows is that the aliens are blind. They can't see. So they have this acute sense of hearing. They hunt down and kill whatever they hear. But this gives the Abbott family an advantage because their young daughter, Reagan, is deaf. She has a cochlear hearing implant. So the whole family knows sign language. So it allows them to stay very quiet, communicate with each other, and survive. So here's act one of the Quiet Place parable. Father, daughter, and the day the aliens attack. <laughs> We got units headed out there now. EMS and fire. We're about. I think I'll play walkers for them. Well, that'll get your heart racing. You know, the way a parable works is that certain objects uh, represent a deeper spiritual reality. And so the main family is the Abbott family. Remember that name, Abbott. Put it in your pocket for later. That's the father, Lee, the mom, Evelyn, the two kids, Marcus and Reagan. And again, because Reagan is deaf, both in the movie and in real life, the family knows sign language, so they have an advantage against these sound-seeking monsters. But what's unusual is that whenever we see, from Reagan's perspective, as a girl who's deaf, the movie you saw goes silent. The sound drops out. Remember, silence is vital to survival in a quiet place. So the majority of the movie occurs in complete silence, and we actually see the family walking through the woods without shoes. They actually live in a soundproof basement, hidden away from the outside world where they speak to each other. They, they sign with their hands. And it's actually quite beautiful, as you see here, 
When they gather for dinner, they actually hold hands and pray together. Completely silent prayer, but with great tenderness. Just watch this. It's actually quite beautiful. I mean, it's very rare to find a functional family in the movies or TV nowadays, but this is a family that not only practices their faith, look at that. They genuinely care for one another. You can see the parents tenderly love their children. The kids look out for each other with an eye towards helping others. The Abbott family. Now, take it out of your pocket. That family's last name, Abbott, is not an accident. You know what an Abbott is? Think about it. In the Middle Ages, an abbot was the head of a monastery where disciples of Jesus would take a vow of silence and cloister themselves away from the world so they could hear from God. Abbots valued silence because they said, we can only hear God's voice in utter silence, like Elijah in 1 Kings. Remember how he heard God's voice? Wasn't in an earthquake, wasn't in a fire, but it was this gentle whisper. So to hear God's voice requires spiritual disciplines like silence and solitude. We're going to be learning about that this fall. Monastic Christians would orient their lives around psalms like Psalm 37. It says, be silent before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. So the abbots live like modern monastics. They actually practice their faith in silence. They're, they're cut off from the outside world. They use sign language. They, they read books. They farm the fields with their hands. They actually pray silently before meals. And this ancient way of life, I actually found it refreshing. I was like, there's no gadgets, no TVs, no social media, no electronic entertainment. Otherwise, they're like, we'd be destroyed. Remember this parable's premise. Silence is vital to survival. And that is exactly what the ancient monastics believed. The early Christians were not afraid of literal monsters. They were terrified of losing their connection to their creator. So they hid away in a monastery a quiet place under the watchful eye of an abbot, lest they be destroyed by the noisy temptations of the modern world. And they took a vow of silence as a way of putting their hope in God. As Psalm 62 says, For God alone, O my soul, waits in what? Waits in shh, silence. For my hope is from him. Silence and hope, hope and silence. The abbot family fellowships together in silence and simplicity. And there's something beautiful, actually, about their connection to each other to the natural world, and to their creator. But that silence is about to be shattered. You know it doesn't last once the baby arrives. Did I mention they're having a baby? <laughs> the, the central conflict of A Quiet Place, part one, and I'm going to show you clips from both, is that mom Evelyn is expecting a child. Now, you probably know this. Babies are not exactly known for being quiet, right? <laughs> Just the opposite. If you don't want silence, have a baby, right? They, they, they scream, they cry, they wail. So the baby is like a ticking time bomb. If it cries, the monsters are going to hear, and watch this, the whole family gets slaughtered. So the abbots now have a wrenching decision to make. Do we deliver this baby, or do we terminate the pregnancy? Think about that. Because giving birth guarantees almost certain destruction of the family. Now, it's amazing, because though they never speak it, the family treats this unborn child like a sacred gift from God. And they actually make elaborate plans to protect it against all odds. Evelyn says, who are we if we can't protect them? Now, these are kids. We have to protect them. Now, I want you to imagine the courage and the faith it requires to bring a baby into this deadly and dark world. They are surrounded by darkness, death, and destruction. And yet, they're like, we are going to bring forth, birth forth new life at great danger to themselves. It seems foolish. It seems reckless. It seems doomed. And to be blunt, can I just say this? If ever there was a rationalization for abortion, this is it. 
But the abbot's decision to deliver the child is one of the most courageous pro-life messages you will ever see in a Hollywood film. Now, I won't show you the birth scene from part one because you will be traumatized. You will not be able to sleep tonight. Evelyn gives birth to the baby in a bathtub with one of those predators right outside the door. But as she labors to give birth, the monster's actually ready to devour mother and child. It actually reminded me of Revelation. You know, the, remember the scene in heaven when Mary's delivering the baby and the dragon is waiting to consume the Christ child? But she actually does this. Their faith prevails. And against all odds, she delivers the baby and they make elaborate plans to keep him safe. They actually build a baby box. I've never seen this. It's like a, it's like a little, little cradle, a box for this baby. It's a soundproof cradle with a lid and they have a tiny oxygen mask to muffle the baby's cries. It looks actually like a tiny coffin, but watch this. It holds life instead of death. Take a look. It's really remarkable how pro-life the movie is. And it really upholds the sacredness. You see the delicateness of human life, even in the worst of worlds. It's surprising right now. I mean, obviously, because our culture encourages abortion for the flimsiest of reasons, right? I hear people today say things like, well, I would never bring a child into such a, a broken world the way the world is now. Yeah, you guys know this. Some doctors encourage parents. We've had parents in this church say we were, considered, we were actually uh, encouraged to consider abortion because our child was going to be born with special needs. Our legal system, right, permits partial birth abortions. But the Bible says clearly that every human life has sacred worth because it's made in the image of God. As Christians, we believe life actually begins at conception, that all life is sacred. The way the psalmist describes it, he says this, For you created my inmost being. You, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb in the quiet place. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Watch this. David says, my frame wasn't hidden from you, God, when I was made in the, shh, the secret, the quiet place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, God, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God is the one who knits together not just our body, but our soul in a quiet place, in the quiet place of a mother's womb. And so as believers, we believe all human life is sacred and worth protecting. Amen? This truth has nothing to do with reproductive rights. It is about God's word because it knows nothing, God's word knows nothing of valid excuses for abortion. It's very interesting. In a quiet place, instead of aborting the child who actually endangers their lives, the Abbott family goes to extraordinary lengths to protect the newborn. In fact, one of the most harrowing scenes in part one takes place when the family's basement starts flooding with water, which requires fierce courage from the baby mama to preserve her child's life.
because I watched that scene, that baby in the basket, as the waters of death rise around it. It reminded me of, of Moses as a baby being placed in a basket, right, in the River Nile. You remember that for safety? When Pharaoh was seeking to destroy all the Hebrew newborn babies. Again, I, I don't know how intentional the director was in echoing all these biblical themes, and you got to hold them pretty loose with a popular movie like this. But when it comes to this issue of life, understand in our world, guys, the real monsters don't walk around on all fours with, with snarling teeth. In our world, to be candid, the real monsters wear white coats in sterile rooms and perform silent murders, actually snatch children from deceived women who have to pay to have them taken away. But a quiet place makes a very loud statement about the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb. And it made me think about how the church, sadly, is often a quiet place around this issue. I mean, I realize our culture has politicized this issue. It's an individual's right to choose. But the reality is there are approximately one million voluntary abortions every year in America, with New Jersey and New York in the top three states. So you have an entire generation of children being wiped out with barely a word. But church, we can't be silent about that because we serve a God of life and the church can't be a quiet place, not about this issue. It's a sign actually of our culture's wickedness. To be clear, I'm calling the abortions, not the women. Abortion vulnerable mothers deserve our care and our compassion, amen? We must tell them about our God who calls forth life, who preserves life, who protects life and defends life, and so does the church. And it's there's a time to be silent, there's a time to speak up. You know what Proverbs 31 says? It says, don't remain silent. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Speak up for the unborn. Speak up for vulnerable mothers. Be a voice for the voiceless. In other words, don't let cultural pressure make you silent about such a pressing issue. Now, what does that mean to even speak up for those who can't speak for themselves like the Bible says? I want to just kind of enlarge your thought about that because it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, protesting an abortion click. I think that's why people are fearful getting involved in the issue. I want you to think about positive care and compassion for abortion vulnerable women. For instance, Colleen and I contribute every month to a crisis pregnancy center that provides free care and support to abortion vulnerable women. We've been doing that, guys, now for 18 years. You know that? It's just something we do on the side. We just have a heart for that. See, there's constructive ways to speak up for the vulnerable. Our church is full of families who support a culture of life through adoption, <laughs> Quite honestly, that's one of the best alternatives to abortion, adoption of children. Let the church tell the world, hey, if you don't want your children, we do. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Amen? There's so many profound pro-life themes in a quiet place, but you have to have spiritual eyes to see them. To me, the greatest message of all in the movie by far is the power of self-sacrificing love. As mom is saving her baby, dad is desperately searching for his other kids, and, and he finds them trapped. Do you remember this? In, in an abandoned car with, with one of the alien monsters clawing at them through the roof. It's kind of like the T-Rex the in Jurassic Park. And this is the emotional climax of the first film. I want you to remember that the young girl is deaf. So as the monster bears down, the father mouths these words in sign language. I love you. I have always loved you. And then he screams drawing the monster away from his children and making the ultimate sacrifice to save them.
I have always loved you. Aren't those the words we all want to hear? Especially from our father who's so in love with his children that he's willing to lay down his life for them. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this. Let's say it together, church, to what? To lay down one's life for one's friends. Are, are you seeing the, the shimmering gospel reflections in this visual parable? You know, the early church fathers actually looked at the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and they speculated of exactly what happened. And one of the things they speculated is that Jesus hung on the cross. He actually lured the powers of Satan, death, and darkness like a lure, baiting Satan away from the children of God who had been in the devil's crosshairs and took that wrath upon himself. Her father's act of heroic self-emptying love saves his children. Of course, it reflects the cross. I mean, what is the cross, the center of our faith? The cross is your father's way of signing to you, I love you. I have always loved you. And his, his guttural scream is an echo of Christ's cry from the cross. Understand it's not a cry of pain and fear. It's a cry of hope, of sacrifice, of cruciform love. And it's meant to actually inspire self-sacrifice in you and me. This is how you and I know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for who? For us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And that is exactly what Reagan does in the sequel. After her daddy dies, it inspires his deaf daughter to face her fears. And check this out. Use her weakness as a weapon to defeat the demonic aliens. And to me, this is actually what made A Quiet Place one of the most remarkable films of the year. The fact that a young woman with a hearing disability was cast as the hero of the movie. I want you to think about this. The weakest, most vulnerable, least likely character turns out to be the one who brings salvation to all. They cast Millicent Simmons. She is this incredibly talented actress. She is deaf in real life to actually play a deaf character. Now you'd be like, well, that's an obvious choice. That has not been the case in Hollywood's history. Historically, directors have chosen able-bodied actors to play people with disabilities. But Millicent is an incredible deaf actress, the perfect pick for a movie where, remember, silence is the key to survival. And she actually emerges as the ultimate action hero. She's tough, she's courageous, she's determined to save as many other people as she can, just like her father. So spoiler alert, you probably noticed in the clips, she's wearing a cochlear hearing implant, which causes a high-frequency feedback <coughs> whenever the monsters are close. Now, it's hinted at in both movies, but that hearing aid gives off this excruciating electronic screeching noise that drives the critters crazy. <laughs> So as with all great parables, there is a twist at the end. As you'll see in this climactic scene, her special needs turn out to be her super power.
I told our video team to Photoshop the blood out. I don't know what happened there. Can you can you just just email them video at Liquid Church? <laughs> I love that hero shot at the end, right? The Demon Slayer pulls the sword out of the dragon in triumph, and who could have guessed her weakness becomes her weapon? As the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen? And this is part of the gospel or good news as well. That God hasn't just saved you. He says, I delight in using the foolish things, the weak ones, those who appear weak in the eyes of the world to shame the strong and advance my kingdom. And so I just want to end with, a, with an encouragement to every parent of a child with special needs. Your son or daughter has a purpose. You know, he or she was created, handcrafted, fashioned by God in the quiet place for a divine purpose, and it's not an accident. You may not have planned this, but God did, and he had a great purpose for their life. You know, you may not see it right now, but as, I just want you to know, Mom and Dad, as you nurture and you protect and you defend and you shape that little life, know that your child will be used by God for his glory and for the good of others. I have so many friends in this church who have loved ones with special needs from Down syndrome to autism, Asperger's, and, and though there are many, many challenges, you know what they will also tell me, Tim? Their special needs is actually their superpower. Because when they see the love of the Lord flowing through their life, it actually melts the most cynical and hardest of hearts as they see the grace of God in the upside-down kingdom where the weak are strong, the first are last, where disability disarms the demon, and special needs can be a superpower in the hands of God. Amen? So learn the lesson of this powerful parable. Life, all of life, is sacred. From the womb to the tomb, every embryo, every baby, every child with a disability, every mother, every father, every child, because you have the greatest father of all who gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you and I could have the victory forever. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you um, for this parable, and I thank you for your word. That reminds us, Father, we are not alone. And as we take time to silently connect with you through prayer, you are filling us with your Holy Spirit, and we can have eyes to see, Lord. In all the ways, Lord, in this broken world, we take heart. You have overcome the world. And so, Lord, I pray right now for every man and woman. Lord, I pray for those who, uh, Lord, have gone through traumas even in their own families. God, I ask that you would use your Holy Spirit to heal them from a deep place, to give them courage, Father, no matter what their family situation is. Lord, I pray that we could be a church that stands for and speaks up for the vulnerable, the unborn, the defenseless. May we be a voice for those who have no voice. And Father, we thank you most of all. Just that picture of that father standing in that field and screaming so that his children may live and he lays down his life for them. We see Jesus. And Lord, I ask that every man and woman here, Lord, we'd see Jesus more clearly, even through our time together. We worship him now in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.